Welcome to the audio version of Lift Your Eyes, Reflections on Paul's Letter to the Ephesians, by me, Lionel Windsor, New Testament Lecturer at Moore College, Sydney. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1b, Amazing Holiness. One of the benefits of history is that it makes us grateful for things we might otherwise take for granted. My father-in-law has a collection of historical newspapers. At one point I was looking through his collection and a brief comment caught my eye. It's from the London Gazette, Monday, August 26th, 1768, number 118, Tuppence Farthing. Just after an announcement of a soiree to be held by Mrs. Grant Forsdyke, and just before a description of a French pirate ship at large. Here it is. Abhorrent practice of slave trading. The hunting of human beings for the purpose of making slaves of them is a practice to be much abhorred. It is therefore of great comfort to Englishmen of Christian ideals to note that the group of evangelicals continues to be active in condemning the trading of slaves. We are sure all thinking men will deem the work of the evangelicals to be of ultimate necessity and will encourage them to continue in it. Now, an evangelical is a Christian motivated primarily by the gospel, that is, the message about Jesus Christ. Uh, The word comes from the Greek word for gospel, euangelion. The writer of this article is speaking about the early efforts of evangelicals such as Granville Sharp, later joined by Hannah Moore, William Wilberforce and others, to end the slave trade in the British Empire. By God's grace, the evangelicals' persistent efforts were ultimately successful. And while modern slavery is still sadly a huge problem worldwide, at least it is now universally illegal. Today, we take this for granted. But it hasn't always been so. Fundamental changes have occurred, and it's important to remember how these changes came about. History helps us to be grateful for our current situation, to remember how we got here, in this case through the work of people who took the gospel of Jesus seriously, and to be motivated to continue to act today. Ephesians is written by the Apostle Paul to the Holy Ones, those who are also believers in Christ Jesus. That's Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1b. And there's some important history behind this phrase. If we learn and remember this history, it will increase our wonder at and gratitude for what God has done to make it true. And as believers in Christ Jesus, it will motivate us to live as God's holy people today. Now first, we need to come to grips with what holy means. First and foremost, holiness is a characteristic of God. God's holiness refers to his supreme excellence, his distinction from everything that he's made. God's holiness means that he is perfectly mighty and pure and wonderful and more. The word holy can also be used to describe things and people that are specially set apart for God and his service. In the Old Testament, we read about the nation of Israel. 
Israel was holy because God had loved them and chosen them to be his own people, to be set apart for his service, to live for him, to be pure and live right lives, to keep his law and to be special in the world. A holy person is sometimes called a saint. And while these sound like two different words in English, they actually mean the same thing. And this term, the holy ones, or you could say the saints, was applied first and foremost to the special nation of Israel. In Ephesians, however, Paul is not writing to God's Old Testament people, Israel. Rather, he is writing to the holy ones, those who are also believers in Christ Jesus. Now, for a brief technical aside, if this makes your eyes glaze over, feel free to skip to the uh, little bit further down in this section a few minutes later. If you're looking at this verse in your own Bible, you might notice that the words in Ephesus also appear in this verse, along with a footnote. Let me explain why. Like the rest of the New Testament, we don't actually have the original letter that Paul wrote in the first century. What we do have are a large number of handwritten copies or manuscripts. Many of them are on public display. I've seen two of the most significant ones. The papyrus called P46 in the Chester Beatty Library in Dublin and Codex Sinaiticus in the British Library in London. In comparison with other ancient texts of the time, the relatively early dates and number of the New Testament manuscripts is considered by scholars to be excellent and gives us a high degree of confidence that we know what was originally written. The manuscripts were, on the whole, copied very carefully. However, since no human copying process is perfect, the various manuscripts have small differences from one another. That's not a big problem, because we can compare the manuscripts to each other and go through a process of error detection and correction to work out with a high degree of accuracy what Paul originally wrote. It doesn't affect any major New Testament truths. It just means there's a few uncertainties about minor details. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 1 is an example of this kind of minor uncertainty. Because most earlier reliable manuscripts like P46 and Codex Sinaiticus don't have the words in Ephesus in this verse. They just have the phrase, to the holy ones, those who are also believers in Christ Jesus. However, some of the later manuscripts down through the centuries include the words in Ephesus in this verse. What's going on? Here's what probably happened. Paul wrote most of his letters to particular churches or individuals. But it seems that this letter that we call Ephesians was written for a broader, more general group of believers, a group that included Ephesus, but wasn't limited to Ephesus. That's why Paul addressed this letter to the holy ones, those who are also believers in Christ Jesus. It's a slightly complex phrase in Greek. So it seems that some later copyists added the words in Ephesus to make the language a bit smoother and sound more like Paul's other letters. That's why modern Bibles have included in Ephesus, normally with a footnote about the manuscript history. What's the big point from all of this? Well, for Paul himself, 
the earthly location of these holy ones isn't the main issue. He isn't primarily interested in the fact that they're in Ephesus, or near Ephesus, or anywhere else. What really matters to him is that these holy ones are also believers in Christ Jesus. That means there's some history behind this phrase. Something incredibly significant has happened to the concept of holiness. And it all has to do with belief in Christ Jesus. What's the history behind this phrase? What's happened to the Old Testament concept of Israel as God's special holy people set apart for him? The answer is, Jesus Christ has happened. He has come and died and risen from the dead. And that's why believing or trusting in Jesus Christ makes people holy, even people who aren't Israelites. This might not sound too remarkable to you, but it was remarkable to the earliest Israelite believers. Let's look at a couple of episodes from Acts, which records the expansion of the gospel among the early believers. In Acts chapter 15, the apostles like Peter and Paul and others are gathered in Jerusalem for a momentous debate. The debate is about how people from nations other than Israel, called Gentiles, can have their sins forgiven and be saved from God's judgment. In particular, the debate is about whether they have to become Jewish and join God's holy people Israel. Here's the answer given by the Jewish apostle Peter. I'm reading Acts chapter 15. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Peter's point is this. People's hearts are made clean and they receive the Holy Spirit simply by hearing and believing in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Gentiles don't have to become Jewish. They simply need to believe in Jesus Christ. Later in Acts, the Jewish apostle Paul is in prison because he'd been preaching this gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles and many of his own people had turned against him. As he defends himself, Paul says that the Lord Jesus has sent him to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, and I'm quoting from Acts chapter 26, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are made holy by believing in me. Gentiles become holy, special, set apart for God, simply by believing in the message about Jesus. And this was remarkable for the early Jewish believers who had grown up knowing their Bibles and so knowing that Israel was God's special holy people. As Paul writes Ephesians, he wants the Gentile believers to remember how amazing it is that they too are holy. And in fact, Paul keeps using this phrase, the holy ones or the saints throughout Ephesians. And when he does, it's clear he's not just saying that Jewish people are the holy ones. But at the same time, he's not just 
assuming that a new group of people can easily be called the Holy Ones, as if it's something everybody can just take for granted. His point is this. The fact that believers in Christ can be called Holy Ones is both true and amazing. How can this happen? It can happen because Jesus has died in our place for our sins. He has taken all that uncleanness on himself and made us clean. And as Paul goes on to say, we can stand before God pure, holy and blameless. Not because we deserve it, but because Jesus has died for us. And it's through the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ from Israel to the nations that we come to believe in him and share in this holy status ourselves. And this is why we need the Old Testament. It's our history, our story. It's firstly, of course, the story of God and Israel. It's important to remember this. But it is the story we all need so that we can see how God has brought about his purposes for the entire world. Knowing this history will help us to see how amazing the gospel of Jesus Christ is. If we don't learn and remember it, we're in danger of taking it all for granted. What a tragedy that would be. Through the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel that was preached by those Jewish apostles, we who believe and trust in Jesus actually come to share in the holiness that was originally given to Israel. We who believe in Christ are special, set apart, beloved by God. We have the wonderful privilege and opportunity to live pure and right lives for him as God's holy people. This is not because we deserve it. It's because God is holy and wonderful and merciful and gracious. And this is what motivates us to live pure and holy lives and to grow in that holiness, making it more and more real in our lives. Well, some questions for reflection. What does it mean to you that God sees you as holy? And how well do you know the story of Israel? If not so well, could you come up with a plan to read the Old Testament more? And finally, if you want to know more about how to act against slavery today, as I mentioned at the start, check out the International Justice Mission. You've been listening to Lift Your Eyes, a lo-fi audio podcast. No witty banter, no crime solved, just me reading my reflections on Paul's letter to the Ephesians. I'm Lionel Windsor, New Testament lecturer at Moore College, Sydney. The text version of this podcast can be found at my website, www.lionelwindsor.net. Please check it out, subscribe and share.